Welcome to the Phoenix Cast, a podcast about cybersecurity, technology, and innovation issues in the military. We are your hosts, John, Rich, and Kyle. Rich and I are both U.S. Marines, and the opinions expressed on the cast are those of the hosts, not official military policy. And the opinions expressed by me are my own, not those of my employer or any other business that I happen to be associated with. For today's episode, we have a special guest, Brigadier General Lorna Malak. Ma'am, thank you so much for coming on the cast. Could you give us an introduction? Hey, uh, thanks guys for uh, having me hang out with you all for a little bit. Um, the director of C4, I've been in the Marine Corps for a long, 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 long time. And uh, by way of you know background in the Marine Corps, prior enlisted, um, spent some time in, uh, as an air traffic controller. Hey, um, as a matter of fact, I started out as a you know field radio operator when I first joined the Marine Corps. That's where I went to school. So yes. you know, the fact that I ended up as director of C4. It's, it's, it's kind of a ways to go. It's karma, if you will. So, um, but, uh, you know, spent some time in aviation C2, uh, spent some time in PPNO, uh, and now, you know, I'm director of C4. I'm here because God, I'm just absolutely blessed works with some really phenomenal people and so on their shoulders. It's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Oh, by the way, I have to uh, provide a shout out. I've got a great husband and three great kids. And, uh, Kyle, I know you've got a young one and, and uh, so, you know, I got a seven-year-old, so I know they keep you all busy. Indeed. And and thank you again, ma'am, so much for coming on. Uh, one thing I, I wanted, before we get into the questions, ha- had to bring this up. How weird is it that, you know, you're, uh, whatever you do when you're listening to podcasts, whether you're running or driving to work or whatever, you're, you're driving to work and you hear a podcast where someone quotes you. Uh, you've been quoted twice on our podcast, episode three, during MCDP Learning, and episode 24, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Juliet Calvin mentioned you. And then here recently, uh, Gene Kim has his ideal cast and Gene and, and former CNO uh, Admiral Richardson are both talking about the quote as well. Like, how weird is that to be listening to people kind of dissect and talk about things you've said uh, on the Internet? It, it, it is actually pretty weird. And I, I didn't really know about it until you, tell, you told me. And what I try to do is, you know... Um, yeah, I, I really, for me, it's just living in the moment, right? So I, to, be, to be perfectly frank, I didn't really know about that until you, you provided me insights that, that folks were talking about it. I, I just, um, you know, I, I, I really am a person that is pretty private. And so I don't really go out on the internet or, you know, kind of listen or, or frankly, you know, you shouldn't hear this from their C4, but I don't spend a lot of time on social media. Um, I listen to podcasts just to learn, right? I'm on YouTube. I'm on TED Talks. Uh, I'm just, you know, as the technology comes out, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I go to Coursera, Udacity, all those places just to, just to gain information. I, there, there's just not enough time in the day to fill your brain with with new and exciting things out there. But I mean, I, th- I think um, we all have a story and we all have something to contribute. So um, the fact that, you know, there's something that I said that can make others help others or provide a perspective that others may not have, I think um, that's valuable, that's helpful. But um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, there's nothing in me that goes, yay, I made the, I made the big leagues. Um, it's, it's, it's just, how do I, you know, given this small, slice of life given this small opportunity what do you have what do what am i doing with the opportunity and the forum that i've been given to help others and make others better that's that that's really all i'm about 
Does that help? Does that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so it's kind of in that vein a little bit and, and talking about different experiences and helping others. Uh, we had Major General Glavy on a couple casts ago, and we asked him about what's it like taking over the monster that is Mar 4 Cyber uh, as as a aviator? And so I, I, I pose the same question to you as a air command and control officer. What's it like taking over IC4? And was this something that was just like such a clear and easy and natural progression? Or was this something that maybe was a little bit jarring and you had to do a kind of like a little buffering, if you will, uh, to get in in place and, and feeling good about it? Could you talk through that and, and how you approach that? I think that would help the audience. Yeah, I think it's the latter, right? Um, I think it's, you know, um, every opportunity that I've been given in the Marine Corps there is a lot of buffering. You got to go, okay. Um, you know, are you fit for purpose? Have you, you know, done all the things that you can or you should in order to be the best, um, that you can at the job that you've been given or the task that you've been given. And so, you know, this idea of, you know, you are not yet, um, you haven't fully realized your potential like every day. You're a learning organism and every, every person that you meet, you get, you know, you learn something from them. And so this coming to C4 for me was what a great opportunity coming out of PPNO, you know, just doing ops all day long, working with a phenomenal team of officers on the, and, and working for a phenomenal boss, like John Boudreau, Joe Trollinger uh, over in PPNO and then coming to uh, C4 were again just so much opportunities, right? But the 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 challenge before us was how do we organize to be able to get after the technological accelerations that were coming our way as a Marine Corps and given where the commandant was going, because I mean if you read um force design, you gotta think the commandant was is was pretty prescient. And really frankly General Neller was too, right? As he, you know, you know, some of the things that he did with um, you know, uh the cyber auxiliary DCI kind of organizing the Marine Corps to kind of go fast in this space. And you'll see that we're doing that because a lot of the other services are beginning, you know, the, the model that we've adopted, uh, others are finding value in it. But in terms of preparation to come to C4, it's one, you had some really, really great people there, right? And bringing in, you know, great people from across the core, right? Uh, to go, okay, we've got work to do. Who wants to come do this hard work with us? And that's what we did. We got a bunch of, and, and again, the partnering, you know, um, you know, again, the, the timing couldn't have been more perfect with the people that we had in place at Malfour Cyber. You know, you've got leadership at, at Marcus Siscom with John Pesasian, who's like, you know, hey, uh, whatever we asked him for, he would help. And you had, you know, Don at CD and I, what, a, what an incredible team. And so getting the commandant's vision, which is, look, you know, and, and I'll, I'll quote Simon Sinek because um, his book, uh, The Infinite Game, codifies what we're doing right now, right? Um, Ma'am, I have to interrupt you for a quick second and just say that Simon Sinek's Infinite Game is one of my favorite books. It's my CEO's favorite book. It like drives literally everything that we do in our 400-person organization. And I love that that has influenced you at some point. At just please carry on, but plus plus to that book and everything in it. Kyle, I appreciate that. I, I tell you what... Um, I have, um, I've given that book to just about everybody, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it, it is, I mean, I think, you know, in life, in, 
you know, in the Marine Corps. And frankly, if you look globally at all the things that we do, we kind of recognize the game that we're playing. And for too long, because of the temporal nature of our assignments, we play maybe two years, three years. And as commanders, we, you know, here's what we're, what we're doing for this temporal period of time. But, you know, where the continent's going, I think, that's just my opinion, it's, it's he's playing the long game, right? He's playing so we can, the, the, the you know, uh, we're the 911 force. We're not just going to go in. I mean, it kind of talks about this cabbage strategy, but it's how do we continue to fight, right? How do we continue to play the game infinitely, right? And so that's what we're doing also, I, I believe, inside um, inside C4 with what General Reynolds is going, where General Glavie's going with the team, where uh, uh, General Smith is going with CD&I, which is how do we organize? And if, if, in global competition, right? And you think about the seven functions of operations in the information environment, you know, assuring C2, right? Networks in C2, that's the fundamental thing on which everything else pivots, right? So, um, you know, we have to understand, you know, the work that you all are doing and we're doing in this network space so we can continue to fight in that infinite game. And it's about maneuvering a network based on intelligence to be resilient. Do you think about you know, the, you know, cyber, SIGINT, EW, um, you know, another really good book. Thank you for being late. I don't know if you've read that one, but it's all about this idea of these technological accelerations and how that fundamentally is changing the way we work um, and, and we interact with each other. So um, a long, long, long-winded answer to your very short uh, question. But at the end of the day, I will tell you, you know, I don't, I, even now, uh, I don't think I have the answers uh, for the job that I'm in. But I tell you, with the team that we have, we've got some brilliant engineers. You know, um, we've got some brilliant technical folks. We've got some brilliant leaders. And I think the combination of, you know, one of the things I always say is ordinary people can do extraordinary things when they're a part of a powerful team a diverse team of intellectual folks that are intellectually curious and um, can provide different solutions to problems that, that we didn't even anticipate. And I, I think that's really what's helped me at C4 is I've got a, you know, I've got a boss with a vision. I've got a couple of folks that are very, very bright and technical that kind of helps us with the vision for the network, partnering with, you know, um, you know, Marfor Cyber, CDNI, and frankly, across all the other spaces inside the Marine Corps, because it's not just on the network that we're doing good things, right? I mean, if you think about, you know, where logistics is going, where PR is going, everybody has gotten this bug about, you know, they see the writing on the wall and they're all trying to leverage technology to go fast. So I'm really going on uh, there, but I don't know if that answered your question. Ma'am, I, I think you hit it uh, dead on and was exactly what I'm looking for. It, so much so, you kind of teed up my next question for me. So you talked about a bunch of uh, commandant interactions, and I want to give the audience perspective. So when I when I started uh, learning about this, because in the early 2000s, I didn't even know what an IP address was. So when I went to comm school and I learned about all of these things, it was perfectly acceptable for the generation above me, the, the captains and majors uh, in the early 2000s communications officers to say, I don't do IP addresses. Like that's the level of complexity we were at. It was functionally acceptable to be a comma and not know what an IP address was or how it worked at all. And now 
I, I would argue if you don't very intimately understand the difference between physical installs, virtualization, containers, like if you don't know all that stuff down to the very nitnoid nuance, uh, you're probably not a very good combo. So uh, having well, having John, let me let me riff on that too. I mean, I got out in 2013, man, and I still when I got out, that's that's I guess eight years ago now. There was still a major rift in the Marine Corps between officers who truly understood what computers, let alone virtualization or IP addresses, even were, and the the sort of old guard of you know field radio based and you know non IP based telephony was what they knew, and just to see that turn around so quickly. Yeah. It, it, it's sort of phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. And and your time frame you talked about, you were right before the tipping point because you still right. had to fight in 13 and 14 to convince people to go EOIP, everything over right. IP and not take out multiplexers. And, you know, uh, I'm getting nightmares even thinking about these things. Uh, but, you know, you were right before that tipping point. And like when we tipped, we tipped hard, understandably and and rightfully so. So, so ma'am, the, the question here is, since technology has essentially exponentially skyrocketed, but you have to put this in terms of non-commos. You got to talk to the commandant who doesn't spend every waking moment listening to podcasts about IT stuff. You need to talk to the other three stars who manage all the resources in the Marine Corps, the requirements in the Marine Corps, things we've talked about in the podcast. Like, How do you do that? Like, How do you talk to people that are non-tech people, but explain these very nuanced uh, technical things in a way that gets them excited. Because if they're not excited, it, it's shrinking budgets. Like you know, if if you don't excite them right away, like you lost them. Uh, how how do you manage that? What 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 are, what uh, tips or techniques do you have you could share? Hey, um, so I, I would tell you what we're really lucky that our commandant's really really bright. Right? The commandant's an engineer, and um, I've been we've been in the IT space, General Reynolds and General Glady, and I've been catastrophically fortunate because, you know, our three and four stars are really bright and they get the imperative, right? And so, you know, I will tell you, when we started this journey three years ago, we said we wanted to do a couple of things to modernize the network because, again, that underpins everything. We were going to, you know, we were going to stand up governance, you know, we've got uh, inside the Marine Corps, govern how we do IT because we had this, you know, we were spending billions on IT and we weren't we weren't able to show proof that we delivered capability. You were gonna get C2 and, and, and Julia came on the podcast and talked to you about you know the manifestation of that. We needed one commander, General Vladi, who would go, hey, here's what we're doing on the network, one commander with a whole. That's the second thing. The other thing that we said we were gonna do is we were gonna put all the resources in one place. We needed to see all the IT resources. So when we took the network back from NMCI, we were like, hey, Marines can do this. You know, we know what we're doing. Processes and procedures, you know, was was work that was to be done. And so, you know, ITSM, which is, you know, the idle framework, how do you, um, you know, IT service management, how others, um, you know, do uh, uh, varsity organizations do IT. We didn't have that in place. And so we've, we've, we've begun to do that. And then IT acquisition. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Task Force Phoenix, but you know, um, uh, you know, the work that you all did during COVID, the work that you're doing in terms of modernizing the infrastructure, what a phenomenal thing. But overall, you know, that's we've got a whole crap ton of work to do around getting IT, um, IT procurement, IT acquisition, right, right. 
So to answer your question, though, we, we started out, we said, we're going to do these five bold, big moves. And we frankly accomplished them all because the three and four stars inside the Marine Corps get the imperative. What was really, what was really helpful, every time we've gone to the Commandant or the ACMAC to ask for resources to explain what we're doing, we've got a tremendous group of, you know, technical expert partnering with NIWIC, you know, my deputy, the team that we have up at C4, um, technical experts like Mr. Dark, our, our resourcing folks that kind of, okay, they'll, they'll dump the, the complexity out and that what we have to do is take that complexity and then just walk it back into, you know, language that, that, uh, that the team will understand. And, and every time we've gone to the MROC and the senior leaders, they've gone, yes. As a matter of fact, it was so heartening that we were in a, a, two, a two-star discussion and, um, you know, the deputy PPNO at the two-star level said, hey, whatever they want for the network, we need to give it to them because it's foundational for everything that we do, right? So, um, and then at the end of the day, you know, it really isn't that complex. When you break down the tech stack, which is infrastructure, you know, platform, security, apps, and data, and you kind of lay that across, you know, all the things that we're doing in the environment, and you just explain folks in, in layman's term, like, hey, you know, the, you know, how much Netflix videos you can watch, you know, based on, you know, what, what we've got in a fiber optic line or, you know, under sea cables, you know, kind of explain those simply, I think, and using analogies, I would offer, you know, take the, you know, nobody knows what a VPN is, right? Except us, right? So how do you explain, you know, a VPN in such a way that, you know, it's important to get funding for VPN, but how do you explain privacy in such a way that, you know, uh, the layman can understand? And so all you got to do is just use everyday examples for the tech that we use. And uh, I think it's really, it's really, really that, that simple. It's because you guys are so bright as, as you know, commos and engineers and architects and all this. Uh, and not everybody is, myself included, you know, um, is as bright as you are. So I just ask folks to explain it in a way that I can understand. And if I can understand it, they can understand it. Fair? Yes, yes, ma'am. Although I, I am not uh, acknowledging the uh, not as bright because I, I don't uh, buy that for a second. No, yeah, I have to disagree with that too. I think that there are three master's degrees amongst all four people on this call. And I think you have all three of them, ma'am. So um, definitely do not support that argument that we are in any way smarter. It's simply a matter of application of knowledge and where we've each chosen to put it. And I would not think to come close to comparing us to the responsibilities and decisions that you have to make on a daily basis. So for me, I'm very happy to stay in the realm of IP addresses while, you know, an incredibly talented people like yourself deal with things of national security. That makes me happy. Happiness. Well, that's because that's we do what you guys tell us to do, right? <laughs> I just do what John tells me to do even. I think that if everyone just listens to John about how to right. run the network, we're all going to be okay. Uh, right, right. I've been telling people that for years. <laughs> See, all you need to do is get promoted, man, and then everything just solves itself. That's how it works. Oh, low blow. Yeah. So, okay. So, ma'am, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that you mentioned you wanted to talk about was the DMXN. Uh, and for those not intimately Ooh, familiar... New acronym. Yeah. I'll even spell it out for you. DMXN is the Deployed Marine Corps Enterprise Network. So the rough idea is most of the Marines that show up to work, uh, you know, just a garrison work, you're coming into your you know, Monday to Friday job, you put your smart card in your computer and log on 
that is the Mixen, the Marine Corps Enterprise Network. So if you happen to take the Mixen and put it out in a tent or put it on a ship or you know put it on a small island somewhere, you know, through VPN technology or however you accomplish that, that would be called DMixon. Uh, the the small caveat I would put on there is John's personal opinion is there really is kind of no DMixon. It is one Mixen and it's you know the the packets and you know somebody sniffing the wire or whatever. There there is no difference between the way that the ones and zeros travel. Uh, but to make the concept kind of digestible and understandable, we've given it the term DMixon. Uh, so that's understandable. And can conversely, if you wanted to do an al- alternate thing, you could build your own domain uh, that is not connected to that in any way, or you could just go out without a domain if you're you know one person alone and afraid with a single computer. So those are kind of like your three rough uh, operational paradigms. So uh, ma'am, what what uh, what would you like to talk about DMXN and what questions do you have for us? So so I think you know, what an opportunity for the Marine Corps, right? And what we have, you know, as you know, we published the Marine Corps Enterprise, um, uh, our, our first inaugural network modernization plan, and we're working on Netmod Plan V2 that kind of lays out um, how we're going to modernize this one network that we have. Unlike the other services, you know, the Navy has Canes and OneNet and, um, and NMCI, We've been doing a lot of things, the main consolidation and elimination for quite some time to get after flattening our network because in this day and age with a, a persistent threat, right, um, where you're talking about uh, nation state actors with, you know, pretty mature cyber capability, offensive cyber capability, uh, we need to be able to see our network. We need to have flat terrain. We need the network to be able to be maneuvered based on intelligence, right? We need to consider the network as battle space. It needs to be censored. It needs to be always on, always ready and, and, and uh, maneuverable based on intelligence. And so that's, that's the Marine Corps network. When I was in, you know, when I was four deployed, when I was a group commander uh, in, uh, in 3MEF, we deployed the extent, right? We, we were on the Marine Corps Enterprise Network. I don't really care what you call it, but... You know, our domain was, you know, um, uh, not a, you know, uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, 3MF.DM.USMC.mil. It was USMC.MIL.MCU.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.MIC.
collapsing domains kind of moving into this one ecosystem so they can begin to consume extend services. General Smith uh, and General Reynolds uh, just put out a uh, General Smith just put out a note to all the commanders across the, the force that said, "Hey, you know, it's one enterprise network, and we're going to deploy the enterprise network." So uh, that's the work that we're doing. And again, it's 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 the the idea of giving us you know the, the ability to be resilient, to you know understand the threat surface, and you know up our game on quality of service. You know, how do we, again, how do we make sure that if, you know, something happens in this global fight uh, where, you know, somebody is owned somewhere, how do we move their data? Because at the end of the day, it's all about the data. It's about making that data globally available. So regardless of where you are, you can get after your data and understand that the mess are going to be operating on thin line comms, right? So transport also becomes important, right? So we're doing a lot of great work with CDNI to build that resilient transport, you know, inside um, uh, the first and second island chain as, as folks maneuver in the west. But, you know, we have to be able to fight as a, and Rich, I see you want to say something, but, but let me just finish here real, real quick. We have to be able to fight as a global enterprise, right? Um, and so uh, as you think about, you know, I, I like to use this analogy, you know, where we're like, well, you know, the garrison doesn't matter. It matters, right? Because if you think about, you know, PED, if you think about where the, the Naval Integrated Spires element is right now, if you think about all the, you know, how do you do a, a logistics uh, mission thread, right? Where GCCS Marine Corps, you think about Alice, right? All that data comes back to the enterprise. And so I, the, this notion of garrison I would offer, I'm going to challenge that notion that it's kind of in a global fight. The notion that there's a garrison that we, we operate independently is, is passe. I would offer, you know, we might want to think about it as the gray side of the network or the enterprise side of the network and the green side of the network that need to come together to maneuver globally. I'm sorry, Rich, please go ahead. Man, that, that was a great um, segue into like something I think I'm super passionate about. Uh, and I think others are as well. So when we talk about the deployed mixen. I would have to agree with you and say we should not think about it as garrison versus non-garrison, right? I think that's a very traditional way of thinking about military organizations as they forward deploy, right? From a garrison base somewhere through an assembly area out to a deployed area of operation or area of hostility. So I think that makes sense completely when we talk about the military deploying forces forward. But to your point, when we talk about accessing the resources required to do your job, that really is agnostic of location, whether it's garrison in rear echelons, right? Or forward at the edge of the battle area where, where the, the tip of the spear and the fighting and engagement with uh, with adversaries occurs um, in, in a traditional sense. So I think what, uh, what, I, what I want to offer to this conversation is I think segmenting the area of the network that our users operate on versus the areas that we fire HIMARS missiles from. And for those who don't know, the, the high mobility uh, system that shoots missiles right off of the backs of trucks is what I'm referring to when I say HIMARS. Um, my point here is like when you look at some of the private sector organizations that are doing this in what I would consider really, really effective ways, you look at organizations like SpaceX, which are sending humans on rockets to the moon. Um, or to the space station, they segment out their, what would they would call their rocket network from 
their user land activities, right? To minimize risk so that those adversaries don't back end into some of these high, highly exquisite capabilities that, uh, you know, companies in the private sector make their money on. But for us, it's how we defend the nation, how we defeat adversaries. So my point here is um, uh, I agree with you. I think the location of where people are pulling services should be agnostic to that user, whether they're pulling services for, as you mentioned, uh, GCSS Marine Corps for logistics, or they're performing a warfighting function. I just think uh, as engineers, we owe it to you. We owe it to the commandant. We owe it to CDNI, McCidic, to, to PNR who funds us, right, to uh, PPNO who generates ops and, and drives us. Uh, we owe it to you all to, to make sure that those networks are secure and segmented in a way that is completely uh, agnostic to the user, uh, but makes it super hard for the adversary to puncture those fabrics in ways that could stop us from maintaining a competitive advantage on our adversary. So I'll stop ranting there, man. Uh, but, I, but I think this is the crux, in my opinion, of what we need to provide for you. And, and Rich, one thing I wanted to add, and Kyle, so we, we got a stack of people that die in a comment on this. So one thing I wanted to add every time I hear this, uh, technology has changed in a way that for some of these things, like think zero trust, what we commonly understood as how you either secure or use or consume or whatever, there have been some paradigm shifts. And what I want to make sure I continually reinforce with teams is like we need to make sure, and this is not an anti-DMX sense statement. This is just like keep in mind it's a joint fight. So like when you when you talk about Rich about firing rounds, it's not just the Marine Corps who cares where those bullets come from and where they're going to. Uh, and so I would just say, you know, there are smart decisions. I love how you use the user land and uh, you know application land or war fighting systems or however you want to phrase that. I I love that. Uh, and let's keep in the mind of there are tools that weren't always available and it's always going to be a joint fight and a joint or multinational coalition, et cetera. Um, so let's just remember there are new technologies that we need to think about in the vein of putting this stuff in. And we put that in the calculus when we're making these decisions. Uh, Kyle. And, and, yeah. And, and John, I, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth with talking about things like zero trust to assume that anybody who's back in garrison is somehow other or different or disconnected from the actual kinetic fight on the ground is extremely dangerous in my mind, right? Like the, the odds that you would need to get help from somebody who just so doesn't happen to be in your particular AO or combat zone are extremely high through the logistics chains that we have today. And quite frankly, completely against what I think of when I think of the Marine Corps ethos of America's 911 force who's ready to go at a moment's notice, right? If, if I have to spend cycles to get a different email address or move data or content from one domain to another just to be able to have it accessible when I go deploy at a moment's notice, that seems incredibly short-sighted and risky. And to your point, the way that the world has changed both inside of the Marine Corps and outside the Marine Corps has you know, uh, made the world flatter to some extent and made the world significantly less separated in both the good and the bad from security perspectives. But it, it has to be less barriers to entry with higher security 
thrown throughout that process in order to streamline the you know time on target, if you will, of, of whatever munition you're going to launch, whether that munition is a missile coming from a HIMARS system or a kilobyte of data coming from some IoT device in the edge of the battlefield or from some data lake that you have that you are running ML patterns on to try and identify a threat. The, the paradigms that you can apply this to are endless. And to all the points that everyone has made here, yes, please consider, quote unquote, garrison no more, right? Like consider all of the things on the network. That's all I got. And, and ma'am, you had a hand raised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so to your, the point that you all have been making, um, and that's why we're trying to do this is in a, at an enterprise level. You've probably heard of Project Overmatch, which is the work the Navy's trying to do to figure out, you know, how do we, as, as a part of a naval fight where the commandant's emphasis is right now, but understanding we will have to fight as a joint fight. Project Overmatch begins the, the, the work that we need to do to make sure that these systems can, um, the C2 systems and the networks that we use can talk. Uh, and JADC2 also fundamentally is about enabling that C2 fires all the things that we need data, um, uh, AI to be able to be ubiquitously available uh, globally uh, as we move. Again, you know, we're moving between competition and conflict, right? So we may be in conflict in one area and we may be in competition and you don't know when you're going to have to, you know, maneuver back and forth in the information environment. So uh, a lot of, I mean, I'm I'm agreeing with all the points that you all are making over. Yes, ma'am. I think there's one other thing too that I'd like to add, and then we can definitely move on in our our line of questions. We had a lot of stuff to cover today, but uh, I I also think that uh, one thing that I had the fortunate opportunity to learn from some senior vice presidents um, in my former job um, working at Amazon was the concept that mechanisms outweigh or basically out deliver against good intentions, right? And so where I'm going with this kind of thought here, ma'am, is that when we start to look at the things that will enable the warfighters to start to trust the engineering components uh, or leaders uh, in this space a little more, is if we start looking at things from a mechanistic perspective by doing things like, hey, if you're if the boot time on your McSend machine goes from like a few minutes down to a few seconds, that earns a bunch of trust. I'll just, you know, use that phrase, right, with with our actual warfighters. If, you know, their ticket resolutions for things they request when they're forward deployed, agnostic, no matter where they are, where that where the network, you know, point of presence is that they can then connect to and get the services they require ubiquitously to, to use your phrase, ma'am. And we're metricing that and resourcing, you know, and driving kind of our, our folks that are troubleshooting to get those ticket requests down. Because everybody knows in the IT world, things work on tickets because they're a, a way to track work throughout workflows, right? So if we start to metric that, I think, and by the way, the two things I'm mentioning here, you know, boot times for end user devices, because that's what they interact with every day, and tickets, which are my request to get services and things that aren't already readily available to me. If we start to metric that and drive those times down to something that the customers are super happy with, then to them, it's like, Mixen, do you, you Mixen? Is, is there, it's just the place I go to get the things I need, right? And, and then with this barrier to deployed versus not deployed comes down, in my opinion. Um, so I also, as I mentioned earlier, GMAM, I think we owe that to our senior leaders, like the engineers, the AOs, the field grade officers and below with our senior enlisted. We owe it to you to include our, our both our contractor and our civilian talent pool. We got to get come together 
and, and provide you the means in which to conduct some of your vision. Uh, I guess the last thing I'll say here is too, I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of, you know, on this cast, we kind of try to take the military tactics, uh, techniques and procedures and apply them to technology and innovation. So I'm a huge fan of taking campaigning, which is iteratively delivering on, you know, specific ops within a vision and, and creating that campaign and then actually getting after it inside of a task force, which I think is the beauty of what we've kind of been able to accomplish in the three years that you mentioned, ma'am. So I want to make sure that endures moving forward, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so a couple of things. Let me just say, um, first, agree with the idea that, you know, in the business that we are in, you know, metrics, process, quality of service is really important. And so, you know, as we move from NMCI, I'm not sure that we really embrace this idea of how do you measure quality of service in a, at an enterprise level in the IT space? And that's where we're moving towards this ITSM, which gives us the metrics that we at least help us to be. And, and, and there's probably more or better ways to do it out there. But right now, you know, over the last year and a half or so, that's the work that we've been doing to try to do that across the enterprise. And, you know, back to the conversation about this deploying the enterprise network, I don't call you know, I don't care if it's extending or deploying or it's all, all we want to be able to do is to be able to understand the, the totality of the terrain, understand the key terrain, not just for the enterprise network, but the C2 systems that are out there, right? With Skater or HIMARS or, you know, um, Alice, all these systems uh, and the associated threat service surface that they pose. I mean, Oh, we haven't even started talking about FRCS yet. We, you all have done really great work kind of helping us uh, with the M M MCI COM team to think about how we how we get after those kinds of networks. But but to your point, yeah, it's all about having that end user develop some level of confidence in the system. I mean, because for some people, that the, they're whether you know it or not, for geos, this is our warfighting system, right? The, that that laptop that you give us, you know, so. If, if Teams doesn't work on there, I can't do my Teams call, you know, or um, uh, we, we think of some of the, the security, the, the um, software that we have on the endpoint, you know, continues to eat up the, uh, the processing power and the memory uh, that, that begins to, you know, kind of erode your confidence in the entire enterprise, just the way you feel about interacting with that device. So, um yeah, so really, really good points, and I totally agree with you on that. And ma'am, to to plus one on uh, something Rich mentioned earlier, uh, I, I had an opportunity as well to do a little bit of time with industry, and and I'll I'll tell you, I was able to tell you with every single application added, every single security patch, every single additional security tool we put on, I could tell you the exact down down to the millisecond uh, difference it made in boot times. Uh, it you know CPU and processor. Uh, so it, to 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 your point of like measuring can't can't be a feelings based thing, and and we need to make sure we get baselines and metrics and drive after you know root cause and and really get a, a predictable uh, experience on the mixen. Uh, I I plus one or two or three or four to what Rich is saying of the way that we get this done is by by measuring and, and then working relentlessly at providing a consistent and predictable performance. 
Yeah, you, you measure what matters and you can do that across anything. I, I In the DevOps slash SRE space, especially, there's this concept of establishing your SLOs, SLAs, SLIs, and then measuring specific metrics around it. And I absolutely hate that, especially even in the civilian world, that seems to be limited only towards IT stuff. And the reality is you should be able to set that on every single aspect of any business organization, group, whatever you want to call it, right? A collection of human beings trying to accomplish a specific thing should function the exact same way in that. And by measuring that across everything, it's all part of, you know, to double click on Rich's point across the entire campaign of whatever you're trying to do is a really good idea. Yeah. So, um, Ma'am and, and guys, thanks for <laughs> listening to me rant there right now. Kind of coming down that rabbit hole with me. Um, that, that's our job, I, Rich, is listen to your rant, man. Wait for the knife hand and listen to your rant. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Kyle. Yes. Uh, so, uh, ma'am, I'd actually like to, this is a perfect segment into, so how do we make what we're talking about, all the successes that uh, you mentioned that the collective Marine Corps team has had in the past three years that you've been in your leadership role, how do we make that enduring? Um, so in my opinion, the success and future of Task Force Phoenix is centered on establishing strong partnerships and trust relationships, as you mentioned earlier. So my question to you is, do you see the Network Task Force, also known as Task Force Phoenix, but internally as the Network Task Force, an enduring entity across IT operations and development initiatives, initiatives inside of the service component? Um, and, and if yes... From your perspective and kind of your fighting position now, how do we strengthen those relationships to ensure that they actually endure? Because as you know, we we rotate Marines pretty often, you know, every every 24 to 36 months. Um, and then, you know, if not, what do you think it'll it'll take us to get there? Like, how do we make it enduring? Um, so the, the task force Phoenix, I mean, I, you know, as I've shared with others, it's done incredible work. Let's just take what we did with, what you all did with Office 365, right? Uh, when COVID broke, you know, you all were doing work that we were, you know, we didn't know that needed to be done. But when COVID broke, you all just, you know, uh, as long as we gave you broad guidance and you just ran, right? Uh, and so, you know, we, ex we are the only service in the Department of Defense that has Office 365 implemented across the entire network, right? Um, is and that that's true? A that, that is. Like, Whoa. We need to like put that on posters next right. to, we didn't promise you a rose garden. Right. Yeah. So our IL-5 environment fully instantiated in Office 365, and we got done last year, right? We never, the Marine Corps, yes, there's a capability in CVR, but our strategy was let's um, get in the IL-5 environment. And then we got done, and we, as Task Force Phoenix said, hey, we're ready. Where do we want to go next? It's phase two. And so you guys have been doing SharePoint content migration. And so while everybody else is thinking about, you know, you know whether we, oh, how do we get off of, off of CDR to get into Office 365 and that task force did the work, right? And as for, very helpful for me, because I'm having, General Reynolds and I are having principal level discussion, but we had a team that was just looking around the corner to go, okay, here's what comes next, right? Um, so in order to uh, make sure that we can, but, but again, I will caveat this by saying Task Force Phoenix is just like we, you know, when the Marine Corps wants something uh, difficult done, when the department wants something difficult done, it's temporal in nature, you know, a specific task, we give it to a group of, um, uh, or the commander, we gave it to General Glady and he ran with it. Now, how do we do that? We've got a network governance board and as these difficult tasks come our way, that's how we, 
we institutionalize these things that we inculcate that in the network governance construct to go, if you have hard problems, you know, we're going to give it to the task force to be able to do execution. There's a difference there, right? And if you're talking about, you know, how do we look long across the FIDIP to go, what's coming around the corner, whether it's 5G, whether it's, you know, Li-Fi, whether it's in their tactical systems too, it's not just the network, right? So how do we integrate all our tactical transport, you know, our network capability? How do we look at, you know, what what's coming around the bend? It's how do we then figure out what Task Force Phoenix is doing, what McWill is doing, you know, what CDNI is doing and, and, and kind of stitch that all together. What Marfor Syscom uh, has to do to be able to look long to go, okay, this technology is coming at us. You know, and again, what we're seeing in the tech space is, you know, I hear General Blady say it all the time that, you know, uh, he's learning something new every 90 days. And, and there, that, that, there's a truism there where, you know, we didn't realize that Microsoft would change how they delivered their products. And so the services has to adjust. The service has had to adjust. We don't understand clearly what are the opportunities around 5G. I was just out at Miramar. Um, I'm looking at look, looking at the living lab out there with the is um, doing out there with 5G that just, you know, an organization that begins to hypothesize how would we use 5G for security on the network? You know, um, what else is out there that we can use to, to modernize the network? And then we go, OK, it's it's a fully baked idea. Let's give it to Task Force Phoenix to execute whatever it is. Right. That's the beauty of the work that you all are doing. Um, what I'm thinking through is if we look at, think about Office 365, when you all get done um, with SharePoint content migration, it's what's next, right? How do we look at, you know, voice over IP or everything over IP? Where does it make sense in the ecosystem to leverage, you know, um, what, what, it, what? how do we think about mobility differently, right? Uh, because this capability that we have will give us, the, you know, so you guys help me, help me think, help General Reynolds think, things that, you know, you have a, you know, you're really um, have a level of understanding of the technology, very intimate with the technology. Um, this, you know, zero trust. What does that mean inside the Marine Corps ecosystem? Identity. How do we solve for identity? And then what does it mean, not just for the network and all the C2 systems that, you know, um, the networks provide connectivity for? Uh, that's the kind of work that you guys have just really, really been helpful you know, and enabling the enterprise to really, really go fast. You guys just have, have been a kind of really bright spot. The Task Force Phoenix construct has been a bright spot, so much so um, that folks are emulating it. But, I mean, one of the things that we did as an enterprise is, you know, kind of look at all the things in the network modernization plan, working with Morphor Cyber, um, what are the things that we need to do to modernize the network? And had we not... You all not helped us understand what are those interdependencies, right? Getting behind GRSS. GRSS just kind of gave us the guardrails for the things that we needed to do to open up, you know, to you know, give us more transport, more throughputs, get our um, IAPs right, get our boundaries right, um, you know, get our, our security stack right, right? Um, now we can do uh, the JSEAM and the NSEAM, leverage the big data platform and all that. Um, it's, it's just... It's just really, really good work in terms of very thoughtful about, you know, having a plan, sticking with a plan, giving you all the authorities to just go fast and the mechanism to come back and go, here's what we're doing. 
that's the thing. It's the feedback. There's also going fast, but there's also a governance piece. And I think once we stitch this into the network governance construct, I think, I think, Rich, um, that'll be, that, that'll be where our, we institutionalize this. Thanks, man. That, that actually, uh, I completely agree with what you're saying there. And I think there was a, uh, Harvard, uh, business article that came out talking about, you know, have we kind of morphed agile into something that it's not right. And in the, in the article, they talk about, uh, in, in a lot of private sector companies that, you know, these senior executives or our general officers and our flag officers are there to be the chief slowdown officers, right? They're there to say, Hey, you guys are going really quick. This is awesome. You're executing my vision. Thanks for getting ahead of us a little bit. I, you might be a little too far ahead of your skis. Let me back you off just a touch, right? And, and I think that's awesome. That deliberate view on, you know, kind of keeping what what you refer to as the technical uh, experts or uh, professionals inside of the task force that take things in the current year of the palm and go execute them. Um, I think that that's absolutely what the task force needs to be. And um, before I transition over to John, because I've definitely eaten up some time on the cast today, I want to get to your. Uh, uh, your topics, ma'am, is I think what we need to focus on as a set of action officers at the O6 level and below is figuring out the organizational construct within governance that allows us to present ideas to you and groom the backlog of what gets handed off to the task force to execute. What are all those things stacked up in a priority manner that have, are already funded right across the FIDIP? And we're just going to go execute in the current year of the Palm as the task force. Like we owe that to you. And I think the other great uh, opportunity that we have not maximized yet, and I think you probably saw this when you went to OneMeth, is looking at what the tactical level elements are doing, like 9th Com Battalion in support of OneMeth, infusing that together with what Juliet created in 1st Network Battalion, right? So that seam infusion there, I think when those two organizations can mutually support each other, ultimately with the warfighter having priority from the MEF perspective, I think that's what winning looks like. And uh, so I just want to say thanks again, ma'am, for answering that line of question because we're throwing some tough questions at you and I really appreciate your professionalism. Yeah, so let me just riff off of the Network CT Battalion. I mean, we created that construct in order to enable the MAGFAP, our warfighter, tactical warfighters, to, to extend or deploy this memory core enterprise network. It's not mature yet. We're maturing it. But um, at, at the, you know, at Ninth Com Battalion, they're doing really, really great work. So if we can stitch those two together, there's a lot of knocks and socks and, you know, all over the place. And there are a lot of folks doing great work. And so as we think about the comm formations of the future, that's work that we're going to be doing with CDNI. Um, it's how do we then, with all these new constructs, right, where we're trying to go inside the enterprise, knowing that cloud is here. It's been here for a number of years. Um, as you as you take, how do you take advantage of the high-velocity compute and the tactical edge, the security? The ability to do some of this, you know, as we do man and machine uh, teaming, as we do pad, et cetera, et cetera. How do we take this requirement to deliver technology and services differently? You know, how do we how do we look at the comm formations, the network C2 battalions that are now in place, the 17XXs, the 06XXs? What are, what are the roles? How do we stitch it all together to be able to deliver integrated enterprise services, right? Um, so at the end of the day, we provide a level of quality of service, you know, capabilities that the warfighter needs, like time now when they're on thin line comms, right? And we can maneuver the network uh, based on intelligence, but the warfighter 
we unburden the warfighter, right? Right. So like Verizon, we export the complexity out of the warfighter space and just have them focus on doing their missions. Right. Um, and I think uh, I think that the enterprise approach um, and, and the mess are doing it right now. They're they're doing it at the meth level. I mean, they've got the imperative that we got to clean up all the disparate networks out there and, and we're going to get into the enterprise. But So that's the that's the way we're going. In order to do that, though, in order to leverage the beauty of cloud, you got to get after you know, de- developing application security, right? So, so folks are only dealing with their apps and data. And so, you know, that's the work uh, that we're doing inside C4 right now, right? So, on account of told us, you know, this idea of taking a long time and force design, there's a mandate in force design to modernize how we do our ATO process. And so I take that seriously. And so we've got an RMF modernization approach uh, inside the Marine Corps, which is, you know, this, which started out as the, at the business missionary, right? So no great, you know, great ideas don't always come from the top or the organization that you think it ought to come from. These enterprise ideas come from everywhere, right? Um, and so this came out of the business missionary. It's one of them, right? Um, and what we did was we said, okay, you know, how do we get from, you know, I was talking earlier and, uh, you know, it was like, hey, I got to fill out the MCAS pass package and it's like 200 million controls. And so we said, okay, how do we, how do we build an environment where when you, when you build your applications, you only have to satisfy about 15 or 30 controls because you build in a secure environment. And as long as, you know, you build in, their envi- in that environment, you use the platform and the pipelines, you know, you, you can get an ATO in, in days or weeks, not years and months. And so, you know, we, we, we've done that with the help of, um, you know, Marfor Cyber, uh, NYWIC, the NYWIC team, and that will be the enterprise environment. And we're going to build in the work that uh, Marfor Cyber has done in Azure. You know, it had the secure cloud computing architecture. You all have built that. Uh, Marfor Cyber has built that for Azure. This, um, the work that's in McBoss is around Amazon. It's, you know, we're building out the IL-6. Uh, great work by Muffer Cyber and Ms. Finks and the team trying to help us uh, uh, mature that. But but at the end of the day, that's what this app challenge is about. So we've been doing it in, at the enterprise level in the business missionary. And when I was a group commander, you know, we were, you know, uh, we wanted to build apps. I was like, we had a problem in the op floors in Okinawa. We had liberty issues. You know, you come to Okinawa, you didn't know how to, you know, how to bring your pet. You didn't know what the off-limits area were. You didn't know where to eat. And so in 30 days, we built an app. We built an app and we put it in the app store in 30 days. Um, we had an SDK, right? Apple had an SDK and we built in that environment. But it took us like, you know, a very, very long time. Even with top cover from the enterprise, it was a C4 app challenge. We, we couldn't, you know, get an ATO. But w- w- working with uh, C4, we were able to get it, get an ATO for the thing. And now that thing, you know, four, five, six years later is enduring. They're able to give it to MCCS. They now own it. And Marines, you know, that PCS to Okinawa, you know, understand the liberty restrictions, the liberty areas, understand, you know, what the policies are. You know what I mean? So that's really the, 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 the vision is how do you put this in the hands of Marines? And so as you put cloud at the edge, how do you give... Marines at the edge, when they get on, the ability to build their own applications quickly, right? Because they will not 
sometimes they will not have the ability to come back. So we've got these 0673 MLS. We've got, we sent them to Kessel Run. They learned at the Air Force School and now they're building, they're working on building out the Marine Corps DESECOPS pipeline and platform. Uh, I'm really proud of the work that they're doing right now. So the app challenge is really about, okay, we're going to fund it. Bring us your challenges. Let's figure out how we do DESECOPS at the tactical edge. Because someone would argue that, hey, this isn't us. We don't need this. But I would argue, you know, inside the, the war fighting and the, we- the weapons engagement zone, we used it in, in Iraq. I mean, I found, I mean, I built a virtual, we built virtual work environments out there. We built applications on top of SharePoint to solve discrete problems in aviation. And I, I can tell you, I think there's a need for it out there. We just, we're just trying to um, generate um, a better understanding so we can put in policy what we need to enable the warfighters. And ma'am, that's uh, what what you're talking about is referenced in MAR Admin 157/21, uh, so you can read all the details about that. And ma'am, that's that's the idea there, right? That your that top cover that you know you could have really used back in the day. You you are providing that through structure released in a MAR Admin, so Marines can kind of figure out their problem that they need to solve, and they can use enterprise consistent uh, tools with security baked in from the beginning. Uh, th- that's the idea with this uh, innovation challenge. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, it, it really is. And, and frankly, we've set aside some funding to be able to get after that. And the Marines that went, hey, you know, there's a special treat at the end, you know, but you've got to, you got to play the game to, um, to, to recognize uh, the reward. But, you know, I think, again, in, in our space right now, we talk about kill chains, right? Data enabled the kill chains. And as you think about software development, it's about, you know, developing, um, enabling secure kill chains, right? So we need Marines now to begin to make the pivot to be able to think about, you know, the, the, the data is the coin of the realm, right? Um, over. Yes, ma'am. Thanks so much. And then last question for you. I know, I know you got to take off. So if, if a Marine just cracks this one out of the park, just absolutely kills it on the innovation challenge, what, what do you think that looks like? What, what does wildly successful look like? Well, mildly successful for me looks like we've got, um, we can then now stitch the, the tactical piece of the um, DevSecOps into the network modernization plan. And we've got a roadmap in, you know, as we do transformation. So our network modernization plan right now, we're in the um, foundational phase and then we've got an adaptation phase and then we've got the transformation phase. Right now, early stages, we've got to begin the work to figure out how would we do this? Because the, we've got the Commandant's given us till 2023 to be IOC for force design. 2030 is FOC, right? So we've got a backwards plan from that and do the work in order to enable Marines. It, this, is, this will be seamless by then. We will, you know, by the time we get to um, 2030, we will be going, well, we did this some other way. Right. Um, we've got to figure out how we do cloud at the edge. Right. We've got to have a workforce um, that understand how you provision these services and do it uh, and build a network to be able to. What is the network capacity that we need? What is the transport that we need? What are the people that we need? Uh, wildly successful looks like I understand all those requirements and they, they're laid in and they're transparent to the users. Make sense? Yes, ma'am. Make, makes uh, perfect sense. 
Uh, Kyle, we, we are short on time, but would you like to hit us with the hottest of hot takes? So hot take for today is going to be really simple. And I'm going to riff off what uh, General Maylock and what Rich have both kind of added in here is try to apply a campaign strategy to everything that you're doing and treat the severity, sincerity, and commitment that you have towards even something that from an outside perspective may not seem like a combat environment or a combat zone with the same level of maturity that you would if you actually had to plan an offense or defensive strategy. Because spoiler alert to all the Marines listening, you're in one of those. So be a lifelong learner. Take the information that you learn from all aspects of your life to be better at applying those same strategies to the execution that you want to do. And just, you know, in general, try to be a little bit more like General Maylock is because we're all going to be a whole lot better if that happens. I love it. And and I, a rarer John plug for the day is if you have not read the net mod plan that has been referenced multiple times in this podcast, please read it. This is I, I know it's published and it's signed and whatever. This is a living, breathing document that we need feedback from, from all levels. So please, one, read the document. Two, ask questions if you have them. And three, submit edits and recommendations so that the next version is the absolute best uh, that we can put out there. And Rich, I think you had a uh, statement as well. Yes. Uh, so I guess my my knife hand moment of the day to, to reference Cal's earlier quote in the cast is, let's solve problems with code, right? It's 2021. We can do that, right? And so this innovation challenge is a great way to show Marines out there listening, civilians and contractors out there listening that are part of the Marine Corps workforce. This is your opportunity to showcase your skill sets. Let's do it. Let's show the general officers that we can do this in a, a quick and an effective way, and then inform what that network modernization looks like so we can get to central code repos with pipelines into testing and production environments, right? Because that's what they need to make the case to get the funding over the fit up to do what we want to do at the task force level. Um, and the last thing I have is a, a challenge, one for myself and one for another general officer uh, who's, who's not yet come to the cast. I will take the challenge on myself to continue, ma'am, driving this along with John and other field grades uh, and anybody else who's part of the ecosystem side of the Marine Corps uh, to get you all the recommended solutions you need in the governance process uh, backed with data that makes sense uh, to the warfighter. And then the challenge I have uh, is for my current boss, uh, Brigadier General Anderson, who's the Deputy Commanding General of Joint Force Headquarters Cybers Marines. He uh, was the one who gave me the uh, Harvard Business article uh, that talked about, are we getting agile right or wrong? And that chief slowdown officers matter. Uh, and I completely agree with it. And uh, my challenge is, sir, come on the cast. We'd love to hear from you. You're, you're a phenomenal guy to work for, and we want to get you out there uh, with all the guidance you have uh, to the rest of the audience. Ma'am, any uh, final takes before we outro? Yeah, so I, I just want to underscore that I think the work that you all are doing is important, right? Um, we, there are different modalities of learning, right? So somebody said to me that, you know, it's almost like we're going back um, to where we started. I mean, when, uh, you know, to the Stone Age where we were an, an oral and visual uh, society, right? Technology now allows us to be able to learn in so many different ways, right? Um, uh, so I think the ability to just be able to listen to a podcast, you know, um, and pull the threads, right? So I'll listen to your podcast and I'll hear something and it'll give me a thread 
to something else. And that's what life is really about, you know, this, this journey that we're on. What are the threads that we're pulling, right? Given, you know, the opportunity that we're given, what are the threads that we're pulling to build the mosaic, to build the soon, to build the fabric so we can get after the business of war fighting? Because make no bones about it. What we're doing is, it's, it's, this is not a popularity contest. This is all about, you know, building the war fighting capability to win um, when the nation is least ready. When the Chinese or the Russians or the Iranians come knocking, you've got to be ready. And so it's game on. And so um, what do you have in your toolkit? Who, who can help you round out your edges? Where do you know that you're weak? How do you build strong teams, you know, um, uh, that, that, you know, especially in this space, right? How do you build a team that can help you deliver on the objective, which is winning? Um, again, I, I can't say enough about how you guys make us better, what make me better. One of the things that, you know, I found a lot of value in at, since I've been at C4 is this, this thing that we've been doing is just bringing in a lot of interns, right? Uh, you know, because they, they've got a, a perspective that makes us, that, that enables us to see ourselves in a different way, right? And also this reverse mentoring where, you know, pre-COVID, we were able to bring up a lot of these young lieutenants as I go out to the fleet. You know, hey, come hang out with me at C4 for a week or two and tell me, and at the end, come tell me, you know, what you think we can do to change. It's, it's, it's the ability to have others help you see yourself um, and the ability to listen to others and know that you are imperfect, but every day you're striving for perfection. Um, I think that's that's our bid for success. Guys, um, I appreciate the work you do. Uh, you are absolutely fortunate to have this forum. We're fortunate to have you give us a voice in a different way because you reach an audience that we could never reach. Um, uh, if you ever need uh, me to come on the podcast again, I'd be happy to do it and I'm proud of the work that you're doing. Thank you. Ma'am, thank you so much uh, for coming on the cast. And dear listeners, thanks for joining us. You can connect with us on social media by going to Twitter and following at USMC underscore T-F-P-H-O-E-N-I-X. That's at USMC underscore Task Force Phoenix. Our editor is Sarah Clarkson, and marketing support is provided by Hector Alejandro. You can support the cast by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review plus a sweet, sweet comment. And with that, we are out.